Matthew 13, we'll also be taking a stop in Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Glad you can make it out this morning. Happy Father's Day. I didn't know if anybody would be here with 109 close to the north and a train blocking 109 to the south. So, for those that are here this morning, uh, congratulations. Talk to Rose and she'll give you some money. Um, <laughs> glad you could make it out. A couple quick things just wanted to share. Jonathan and Heidi couldn't make it here. They're ministering uh, this weekend singing. But for those that are going to be going to church camp next Sunday after church, there's going to be a brief meeting up here to kind of go through some of the church camp stuff. I think there's 40-plus kids going to church camp. Keep that in prayer. Please keep that in prayer. Not, I mean, obviously, we want it to be safe. We want it to be fun and fellowship. But most importantly, it's a time of spiritual growth for those kids. So go ahead and keep them in prayer, if you would, please. And as Renee mentioned also as well, uh, we got a group here on a short-term missions trip going down to Shawnee, Ohio, doing Johnny and Fred's family retreat. Great group. Uh, they've been doing that for years, and each year, more people want to go. So what a blessing it is. So we got a lot of people down there doing that this week as well, too. But we'll get into that more as we get into the message here. But Matthew 13, and we're also going to be in Ecclesiastes 11. Ecclesiastes 11. Let's pray and get started. Uh, Heavenly Fathers, we just come to you now. Thankful for the people that you could bring out today. Just keep everybody safe as we travel home. And Lord, if there was something going on with that train issue there, more than just being stopped, I just pray your hand to be upon that. Lord, lots of outreach going on. And we do want to pray for the prayer chain that would be fruitful for you. For those down at Shawnee, Ohio, bless them as they represent you in all ways and all things. And for church camp coming up, for those kids that are going, for VBS coming up, for those kids that will be coming, just hearts prepared. Thank you for the time and help us to learn and grow in you in your name. Amen. As we mentioned here in our study through Matthew, it's starting to change a little bit. The first half of the book of Matthew was Jesus proving the proof and power of him being the Messiah and basically reaching a point of saying you need to decide. We start to see some antagonism now in chapter 12 between him and the religious leadership, and it keeps building through the rest of the book. But now his teaching style kind of changes a little bit here, and in Matthew 13 we're introduced to parables. There's going to be seven parables here in Matthew 13. Now, parable, this is the first time it's used in the New Testament. And a parable is a really interesting thing. It's a story to teach a truth. One commentator called it this. It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Earthly story with a heavenly meaning. It can almost be like a riddle. It can almost be like a puzzle. And you need to find the key to unlock the main idea of that. And we'll get into that a little bit here. But this parable here that we're going to go through, I've thought about this a lot. If I could only teach one parable, it would be this parable. Parable of the sower and the seed. This explains Everything. I mean, it really explains everything. And Jesus agrees with that. Because in Mark chapter 4, when he's talking about this parable, he basically says, if you know this parable, you can understand all the other parables. So this is our groundwork. This is our foundation. We need to get this one to fully grasp what he's trying to say. Rich and I talk about this all the time. About how this parable just explains everything. We'll be having a conversation about something going on, and we'll kind of just say, hey, it's the parable of the sower and the seed. Because everybody here this morning falls into one of these four categories. Everybody does. And so as we go through this, we'll see what category we fall into. And as we see people in different stages of their walk with Christ, going forward, going backwards, etc., it all comes back to this parable of the sower and the seed. This explains what we're supposed to be doing in life. This explains how we live our Christian walk. Everything is in this parable. And the beautiful thing about this is Jesus teaches it, verses 3 through 9. But I remember when I first got saved, I heard somebody say, let the Bible be its own commentary. Jesus explains it in verses 18 through 23. So we don't even need to worry about the explanation of it because Jesus says, hey, let me explain to you what this means and represents. 
And it's just wonderful. I love this. And I hope you guys are as blessed by this as we go through this. Verse 1 of Matthew 13. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. And great multitudes were gathered together to him. So that he got into a boat and sat. And the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. Now let's stop right there. As we mentioned parables before. Using a story to teach a truth. An earthly story with a heavenly meaning got to find the key to a parable if you really want to understand what it is and the key to this parable is actually pretty easy to find because we need to understand verse three behold a sower went out to sow according to luke chapter eight sowing the seed is representative of the word of god so right there's the key once you have that now we can unlock the rest of the parable so what is he doing they're going out and sowing the seed of god's word well what does that look like why would we use god's word well if you're a note taker three quick points here why would we use God's word as the seed? First one, Isaiah 55, 11. Isaiah 55, 11, God's word does not return void. God's word is not empty. The Bible says it has a purpose, and when you send it out, it will complete its purpose. Okay, you're going to walk out of here today, and you're going to forget my stories. You're going to forget my points. You're going to forget a lot of that stuff. But God's word does not return void. That's what the Holy Spirit brings to your remembrance at that moment. That's the beauty of God's word. It just, it's just right there, and it just does a divine purpose. That's why we use God's word so much when it comes to the teaching, when it comes to the preaching, it comes to discipleship, because it does not return void. Next one, Hebrews 4.12. Hebrews 4.12, it says that God's word cuts. God's word cuts. It pierces to right where it needs to be. If you're dealing with a situation, when you get into the Word of God, it just cuts right to it. Sometimes it's something you need to hear. Sometimes it's something you don't want to hear, but still cuts. Dawn and I had a situation going on this week that's something we were kind of struggling through, and we pulled out the devotional, and as we started reading it, the devotional has a verse at the top. And as I read the verse at the top, it's like, right there. I don't even know what the rest of the devotional is going to say, but I know it's perfect for what we're going through because that verse at the beginning did not return void and it cut right to the situation we're dealing with. That's the beauty of God's Word. Last one, Luke 24, 32. Luke 24, 32. God's Word creates a burning for more of Him. And that's what I love about God's Word. So why are we sowing God's Word? Because it does not return void or empty, Isaiah 55. It cuts to right where it needs to be. It pierces, Hebrews 4.12. And then in Luke 24, it creates a burning, a desire for more of him. That's why we use God's word. Your word will return void. Your word cannot cut. Your word may not create a burning for more of the Lord. But the Lord's word will. That's why you use God's word. So that is what we're sowing. Now what's it mean to scatter seed? The sower went out to sow. What's that mean? This is where we have to change the way we look at life. And I'm just going to be straightforward with you. I hope that when you walk out of this building today, that the way you approach life honestly changes after this parable. Because I want you to really look at life differently. We're here to give God the glory in all we do and say. And let's give God the glory by pointing people towards Jesus Christ. By scattering the seed of God's word and the daily interactions that we have. Let's turn daily interactions into divine interactions through the Holy Spirit. That's the goal. And it comes through scattering the seed. I I had you go to Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, please. Ecclesiastes can be a tough book to find. If you just open your Bibles in the middle, you should get to around Psalms. Ecclesiastes is just two books to the right. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is a fascinating book. 
Ecclesiastes is probably one of the most depressing books in the Bible, which is saying a lot when there's a book called Lamentations, that there's a book even more depressing than Lamentations. But Ecclesiastes is this book written from the perspective of Solomon, a godly man who's going backwards instead of forwards in his walk with the Lord. And you just see this. And there's, and there's a lot of things he says in Ecclesiastes that it's like if our words were recorded in the darkness of a deep, dark spiritual time, and it was recorded for everybody to read, that's Ecclesiastes. But as we're going through Ecclesiastes, as we get to the end, you start to see Solomon now see the big picture. And he's got this great little passage in here about scattering seed. Ecclesiastes 11, verse 5. And you do not know what is the way of the wind, or how the bones grow in the womb of her who is with child. So you do not know the works of God who makes everything. So he's getting to the end. He's saying, listen, I, I don't get this stuff. And I'm the wisest man that's ever lived. I mean, we can explain the science behind wind, but the wind is this invisible force. It's just absolutely fascinating. Or, you know, we've seen the ultrasounds. We know about what happens where the baby grows in the womb. But in all honesty, what Solomon is saying is, listen, this nothing becomes something. And from the moment of conception, that's life. That's fascinating. So he sums it up in verse 5. You do not know the works of God who makes everything. Guys, we don't know everything. Which takes us to verse 6. In the morning sow your seed, and in the evening do not withhold your hand. For you do not know which will prosper, either this or that, or whether both alike will be good. Solomon says, scatter seed, because you don't know which one's going to take off or not. You don't. I mean, if you knew which seeds would be planted and which wouldn't, you would obviously only plant the seeds that would grow. If you knew which soil would grow, it, you'd only plant there, but you don't. And so scatter them everywhere, he says in verse 6. You don't know which one's going to take off, you don't. So you just do that. So now jumping back here to Matthew 13, taking that same principle and the spiritual point of this, we're supposed to go out and scatter the seed of God's word. We don't know which one will take off and which one won't. We don't. And so therefore, we need to be responsible to just scatter seeds. It changes the way you approach life because every interaction you have with somebody can become a divine interaction. And you don't know which ones it will be. You don't. I try to talk to everybody I can. Sometimes God opens the door. Sometimes God doesn't. And you never know what it's going to be. I shared, I think it was this last Wednesday, that the kids think I'm creepy. Because I'll talk to everybody. I'll talk to the cashiers. I'll talk to the waitresses. I'll talk to the waiters. And if God opens the door to say something, I'm excited. Let's go with it. If not, we'll move on. I had a pastor friend say one time about how that when they would get their food, that before they would pray, they would stop and ask the waitress or the waiters, anything that we can pray for. Just open the door. If the Lord leads, we'll do that. I'll be at the cashier. I'll just start talking to them. See if God opens the door. I was at Menards this week with my uh, father-in-law. We were buying some lumber for a project. And the guy said, looks like you guys are going to be doing a big project. And I said, yeah. He goes, well, I hope it goes well. And I said, I do too. And I had this brief moment where I said, you know what? But even if it doesn't go well in the whole scheme of eternity, does it really matter? He said, have a good day. But the whole point was, I don't know if he's going to respond. I'm just going to throw it out there. If he says something, I'll go with it. If he doesn't say something, I'm scattering seed. I don't know. And that's the thing is, when you go to work, when you go to school, when you run into just daily interactions with people, you don't know. You don't know whether the Holy Spirit's been working on that heart. You don't know whether that person is so close to relationship with Christ. You don't know if they're going backwards instead of forwards. You don't know anything. And so what is Ecclesiastes saying? What is Matthew saying? Throw the seed out there and just see what happens. It changes the way you approach life. 
Because now the trip to the store is not a trip to the store. You're scattering seed as you go about. Going to school is not going to school. It's scattering seed, telling people, hey, I'll pray for you. How can I encourage you? How, what can I do? Now, here's the thing about the scattering seed. I can't make you do it. I can't make you want to do it. You just may want to go to the store and come back. See, here's the thing about the gospel. What we're really talking about is spreading the gospel. And until you've personally experienced the gospel, there's really not going to be a desire in your heart to say, I want other people to personally experience it as well. See, when I first started teaching, it was like, oh, get out there and tell people about Jesus. Well, listen, if Jesus isn't that big a deal to you, why are you going to tell them about Jesus? Because it's not really anything personal to you. Like, take my kids. I love my kids. I love stories about my kids. I love the things they say. I look back at a lot of the texts that Dawn and I sent to each other, little quips about the kids. I love it. Now, that doesn't mean much to you guys because they're not your kids. Now, I love your kids, but I don't talk about your kids the way I talk about my kids. I don't send pictures of your kids to my wife. That'd be weird, you know? I personally want to talk about those things that are personally invested in, and that's my children, that's my wife. It's the same thing with Jesus. If I'm personally invested in Jesus, then I want to tell everybody about him. But if I don't have that moment of that personal investment, I hear a teaching like this, and it's like, well, why, why am I going to go out and say anything about it? What difference does it make? See, and the purpose of these parables are to teach us these heavenly points in day-in, day-out routines. And Jesus mentions this. Just jump ahead a little bit here. Look at verse, um, start in verse 13 of Matthew 13. He says, Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. He goes, listen, I'm going to tell them these parables. Some are going to get it, some aren't. What does he say in verse 14? And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear, and seeing you shall excuse me, hearing you will hear and shall not understand, seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. He says, Listen, I'm going to talk in these parables and these stories, because the people that want to hear it, that want to get it, they're going to get it. They're going to look for that key. They're going to try to unlock this story, this puzzle, this riddle, if you will. The ones that don't care, they're not going to care. And by teaching in these parables, it's going to reveal their heart. It's going to reveal, Jesus is saying to this group of people he's teaching, it's going to reveal what they really think. Because some people are going to hear it, but not really hear it. Some people are going to see it and not really see it. Some people are just going to quit and say this is too difficult. I mean, have you ever seen that? I know I've seen that with our kids. Like when they're out there homeschooling, when Dawn's homeschooling them, the, every child reacts differently. And I have one that when it's really tough and really difficult, they just give up. They don't care. What's the point? And I got another one that if it's really difficult, they, they want to get it. Try it again. Let's try it at a different angle. Let's try it in a different direction. Let's just try that. Every personality is different when it comes to things like that. I, I can remember when Dawn and I, this is going back to when we were in high school, and, uh, and we were together and we were dating. I remember we were in getting ready for um, a Mr. Fricky quiz on knowing all the presidents, if I remember correctly. And so we were studying the presidents. Now, the way my mind works, I got it. It just, it's just my mind can memorize that stuff. Dawn's mind does not work that way. So I remember we were going out on a date. We're getting ready to go to the Defiance Mall. The quiz was coming up, and I said something to the effect of, let's, let's, let's go through these presidents real quick. Let's just study them together. That's what we did for fun dates. Let's study presidents, you know? So Dawn's like, fine. Washington. Lincoln. 
No, Lincoln's 16. I don't know Reagan. No, Reagan was in the 80s. I don't care. I don't need to know this information. This will not impact my life in any way whatsoever. 20 years later, she's right. She still has no idea who the presidents are or anything like that. And she doesn't care. Some, same way with some of these spiritual points. Hey, this is really important. You should learn about this. Hey, I don't care. Jesus says the parables reveal the heart. So when he's teaching these parables, the people that stop and say, I get this. I think I see what he's trying to say. He's really, he's really not talking about a, a farmer sowing seed. He's talking about something deeper. She's like, yeah, your heart's open. You're hearing. You're understanding. The other person is like, what is he talking about? Because let's read through this real quick. Listen, this is the teaching. Verse 3. Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell in stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched because they had no root, they withered away. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. Others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He was ears to hear, let him hear. That's the teaching. And he finishes it in verse 9. If you got ears, you want to hear it? Listen. Just imagine this. You're going to hear Jesus teach. Now, we've read some of his other teachings before, especially about the Sermon on the Mount. You know, blessed are the poor in spirit. He talks about all these long, in-depth things. So you show up to this teaching. Here's Jesus sitting in a boat. He just does this. You know, a farmer went out. He had some seed in his hand, and he scattered seed. Some, Some fell on some good ground. Some fell on some bad ground. Some sprang up quickly, then died out. Some got choked out by the weeds. Some returned 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Some didn't even grow. Birds came and ate it up. Hey, if you have ears to hear, listen up. That's his teaching. That's all he says. Now, we know the rest of it because we have verses 18 through 23. But at that moment, that's why you have verse 10. The disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? I mean, come on, Jesus. They didn't say this. But in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, it was pretty straightforward. I mean, you were quoting Old Testament scripture. You were then applying a New Testament point. It made perfect sense. Now you're telling a story about a farmer and sowing seeds and birds eating it and weeds. What are you trying to say? Now, I mentioned to you earlier in the message when I first got saved, one of the first things I heard was, let the Bible be its own commentary. What a great point. Jesus explains it. Let's read it now. What's his explanation? Verse 18. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. He who received the seed in stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. He who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He says it's all about sowing seed. Now, we talked about what does that look like for an individual. I told you what it looks like for me. I don't know what that looks like for you. I don't know how it works for you to go out there and scatter seed. Maybe you use tracts. Maybe you hand out Bibles. Maybe you, I don't know what you do. But I know it's just supposed to become such a natural part of our life that no matter what we're doing, it's like every day we're walking and we're just throwing spiritual seeds out. I don't know what's going to happen. Let the daily interaction become divine interaction. What's it look like for us as a church to sow seed? I hope it looks like what we're doing now. 
You know, we got a group that's willing to go to Putnam County and just simply say, is there something we can pray for you about? Isn't that beautiful? Is there something we can pray for you about? Let a, just a daily interaction become divine. And I tell you, if the Lord stirs your heart on that, talk to Karen. I encourage you to go over there and just be a blessing. They're also going to be doing it in Henry County. we got a group right now that are down in Shawnee, Ohio, being the hands and feet of Jesus, giving families respite, and just helping them with kids that have some special needs. They're just sowing seeds. we got kids going to church camp next week. Once again, we hope they have safe, fun fellowship. But most importantly, I hope spiritually they grow. Seeds are planted. Just did garage sale giveaway. Lots of people interacted with people. They walked through the building. Hopefully seeds were planted like that. I I mentioned on a Wednesday night a while ago, we have a uh, contact I've been talking to with a guy that we're hopefully sending some people up to Dearborn, Michigan. I don't know if I shared with this on Sunday or not. And they do a VBS up in Dearborn for Muslim kids. So we're going to go up like the week or two before and go door-to-door in Dearborn and get a chance to invite Muslim children to a Christian vacation Bible school. And he said last year they did it. They had like 40, 50 Muslim kids show up for a Christian VBS. We're just going to go up and scatter seeds. You know, we're hoping to do another missions trip to Mexico maybe later on this year. Scatter seeds. VBS and our VBS in July. Lots of kids coming through the door. What are we doing? Scattering seeds. That's what we're doing. I mean, we don't know how it's going to respond. We don't know what the interactions are going to be. And truth be told, when it happens, you may not see the fruit at that moment. But it's just scattering seeds. And that's the church we want to be. And that's the individuals we want to be. And that's why this parable is so important. And that's why I want you guys to hear what it's saying. That's why he says in verse 9, he was ears to hear, let him hear. That's why in verse 18, therefore hear the parable of the sower. That's why in Mark chapter 4, he said, listen, this parable is the important one. Get this one and everything else makes sense. So let's break it down now. What's it look like? First group, seed goes on the wayside. Hard ground, almost a walking path. Nothing can sprout there. Birds come down, devour it right up. Some of your translations say the birds come down and ate it up. That's not a strong enough word. This word for devour is stronger than the word ate. They come down and snatch up. The word devour is used in Revelation to show fire coming down from heaven and devouring things. You know, it's like if I went out here and just took some seed and started scattering it. Some's going to fall on grass and hopefully grow. Some's going to run among the weeds. Some's going to fall out there in the driveway and the stones. Some's going to fall on the concrete. Okay, stuff that falls on the concrete, eventually a bird's going to come down and kind of snatch it up. Now, these birds are devouring it. Now, before you look at this and say, well, that's not really fair. Didn't have a chance to ever accept Christ. Birds came down and devoured it and Satan snatched it up. No, 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 no. You've got to understand. Remember this. In this parable, the seed represents the word of God. The seed is good. The seed is very good. The ground wasn't ready for the seed. So therefore, the bird snatching it up does not mean that they're stealing salvation out of someone's hand. It means the person didn't want to hear it. The person didn't want to receive it. God gave them an opportunity. They chose to reject it. So if you ever sit here and wonder, well, this isn't fair. People are dying and going to hell and they never had an opportunity. No, they've had opportunity. The soil wasn't ready for it. But God tried to plant a seed in them. Okay, what about the next group there? The rocky soil, verse 20, the stony places. The seed falls in there, and what does it do in verse 20? It immediately goes up, quickly. When we planted our yard years ago, they came and they'd worked the ground and they scattered seed all over the yard. The first grass to come up was the grass that landed in the driveway. 
This, this is true. It was the first grass to come up. It was also the first grass to die. For the longest time, she said, for the longest time, for a short period of time, we had the greenest driveway you've ever seen. Because the seed came up right away. It's kind of exciting. Well, that's what happens in verse 20. Immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself. No root. See, the problem is not that they grew too quick. The problem is they didn't grow deep. They had no root. I tell you, I hate to say this. I see this a lot. A lot. People will pop out to church, and this is exactly what they've been looking for. They're going through a difficult time in life, and it fills a void. And this is amazing. This is wonderful. And they're just excited. Where can I serve? How can I get involved with? I want to do this. I want to do that. And there's this immediate reaction of joy. But then as life goes on, verse 21, there's tribulation, there's persecution. And they just disappear. They have no root. Once again, the problem is not them growing too quickly. The problem is they didn't grow deep. Life happens and they just kind of disappear. You know, we joke about this a lot. If everybody who I run into on a weekly basis says, I'll see you Sunday, would be here Sunday, we'd never have enough room. But at that moment when I talked to them, oh, this is so glad I ran into you. I'm so glad you contacted me. This is exactly what I needed to hear. I feel so much better. Listen, I'm not trying to make you feel better By me talking to you, I want you to grow deeper in Jesus Christ. And see, what happens is there's that short little root. There's nothing there. We did a men's devotion years ago, and it had this little saying about still waters run deep. And it talked about the difference between still waters and bubbling brooks. And bubbling brooks are very shallow, but they sound wonderful. They're very pretty to be around, but they have no depth. Still waters run deep. The still waters may be very quiet, But there's a depth to those waters. And the point, what he said, is this spiritually. So often when we look at believers, we see bubbling brooks. They say the right thing, they do the right thing, and they're just all about Jesus, but there's no depth. Then we see that person with the still water. Well, they're not really crazy for Jesus. Well, maybe that person realizes it's a marathon, not a sprint. Maybe that person realizes it's just constant progress in your walk and relationship with Jesus. We're talking about somebody right here that has no depth. They have no root. They grow very quickly. And when the life happens, verse 21, they're scorched. What about the next group? Verse 22, those who hear receive the seed among the thorns. They hear the word. And the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. He becomes unfruitful. That phrase becomes unfruitful, verse 22. Luke says it this way. Brings no fruit to maturity. Brings no fruit to maturity. You kind of keep waiting and waiting and waiting. I mean, they look good. But where's the fruit? Years ago, Dawn bought some of these uh, fruit plants. And we have outside of our house, if you've ever been to our house, we have a kiwi plant. I don't know, you could raise kiwis in northwest Ohio, but we have a kiwi plant. It's beautiful. It's huge. Every year it's bigger. It's greener. It's more lush. You got the male kiwi. You got the female kiwi. We had this thing for years. We've never had one kiwi. Never once. I want to go buy kiwis and like attach them to the tree just to see what it would even look like. There's no kiwi. But it sure looks good. It looks wonderful. It's green. It's lush. It's big. But verse 22, it brings no fruit to maturity. See... 22, let's just be completely honest. This is a lot of us sometimes. The cares of this world choke us out. I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes. Please don't be offended. 
But a lot of times we just let life control us. We let our calendar control us instead of letting Christ control us. And what do we see in verse 22? This, this is the busy. I, I love the Lord. Oh, he's the most important thing. But once I get through this season, oh, man, I really want to go crazy for him. I got to get this house project done. I work's really busy right now. Once the kids get a little bit older, I'm not really feeling 100% right now. And wait, wait a second here. I, I understand that there's life. I understand that things happen. But if we're really seeking first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, verse 22, we don't let the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke us out. Well, but you don't really understand what I'm going through. And maybe I don't. But I understand the preeminence of putting God first. Life is busy. Life is crazy. Trust me. I understand how easy it is to let the calendar control us. I understand how easy it is to let life control us. It really is. But what Jesus is trying to say here is, listen, you can look good. Because in verse 22, it sure seems like they're in pretty good soil in verse 22. But there's so many thorns and weeds. So much other life. Just going to be straightforward. A lot of times, the verse 22 people, I don't think they even realize it. They're just so used to life being crazy, hectic, busy, whatever, that the idea of stopping and saying, if Jesus is really number one, I'm going to let everything else go. That's really hard to do. That's really hard to do. But they become unfruitful. They bring no fruit to maturity. We wait, we wait, we wait. Well, what verse 23, he receives seed on the good ground. It's he who hears the word, understands it, who indeed bears fruit, produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. A couple things there in verse 23. Not everybody produces the same amount of fruit. Don't do the comparative Christianity thing. Don't judge base things on numbers or who comes or anything like that. that we've got to get past that. I heard a great saying this last year that really hit me. A church should be based on its sending capacity, not its seeding capacity. The idea of sending people out to be lights and witnesses. That's really all that matters. So don't judge it on the 30, 60, 100 there. Produce fruit where God has planted you and bear fruit. Now we mentioned in verse 22 about the waiting and the waiting and the waiting. Same thing in verse 23. Sometimes you're waiting and and nothing's happening. Nothing happens. And people get impatient with that. I think that's why the next parable is the wheat and the tares, which we'll get into next week. Is this idea of sometimes you really don't know and you got to be patient just to wait. Because God may be working behind the scenes more than you ever know. Maybe wife, you're getting impatient because your husband's not growing quick enough spiritually. Or husband, you're impatient about your wife or about the kids or the grandkids. Trust that the Lord is moving and working. I mentioned to you the kiwi plant that we have at the house that's produced nothing. Well, for about I figured it up. I think for about 9, 10 years, Dawn has had in the kitchen the citrus plant that we have been waiting for it to do something. And it will produce the cute little white blossoms. And we just keep waiting. So when it produces the little white blossoms, I always tell Dawn, take a picture of it. And then go sell it. Because people are going to think it's going to do something. I know, I'm wrong for that. But still, just get rid of it. But this year, finally, it produced oranges. Now, they're about the size of a quarter. Okay? And I think they're done. But it produced little oranges. You need about 100 of them to make one ounce of orange juice. I told Dawn that now she should sell it. And just put that they're going to get to be, like to be the size of basketballs. So if you're ever on Fa- uh, Craigslist and you see somebody selling a tree like that from Dawn, buy it. I guarantee you it will be wonderful. But it produced fruit. But it took literally years. Years. Sometimes spiritually speaking, we don't move as quick as we think we should. To be honest, sometimes people aren't moving as quick as you think they should. Thank the Lord he's patient. Thank the Lord he's patient. 
Moses took 40 years for him to start figuring some things out, then took another 40 years to got it figured out finally. So this little citrus tree that's taken nine years, okay, Lord, it produced fruit, finally. Sometimes I look at my life and it's like, there's a lot of fruit going on here, Lord. Well, be patient. Maybe it's a little bit drier season. But it will come. They will indeed, look at verse 23, indeed bears fruit. Now, we have to stop right now and make a few points here. What can we learn from this parable? First off, number one, not everybody responds. Seed sometimes falls and no one responds to it. It gets devoured. Do so you have to remember that? So when you go out to represent the Lord, be it by just straightforward evangelism, sharing the truth of Christ and his death on the cross, maybe it's by saying, I'm going to pray for you. Maybe it's by saying, hey, is there anything I can pray for? Maybe it's by sending a scripture. I don't know how you're throwing the seed out there. Not everybody's going to respond. You've got to remember that right way. Number two, just because they don't respond doesn't make the message bad. The message is good. It's God's word. Because it all comes back to the soil. The soil has to be ready for it. For some of you that got saved later on in life, maybe you can remember what it was like before you got saved. At that time, you were the hard soil that wasn't ready to hear it. Or maybe you were the soil that was the stony soil. And yeah, you did the church thing for a while, but there was no root. When the soil is good and ready, it will produce fruit. And that's between them and the Lord. Because I can't make someone's soil be ready. I mean, I can pray for them. I can share Christ with them, but ultimately, they have to want it. They have to want it. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then be patient. Patient. Oh, I struggle with this one. People should be growing quicker. Marriages should be healed quicker. People should be in the word more. Oh, patience. Just let the fruit come at its own time. And when that fruit comes at its own time, what a beautiful blessing that is. There is so much in this parable of the sower and the seed. This is why Jesus said this is the foundational one to understand. So when we see this, there's a couple points we need to make here as we get ready to close. Number one, are you scattering seed? Do you look at your daily interactions as potential divine interactions? Or are you just going through life? I tell you, as you go through life, scatter seed. Be prepared. Be ready. Be open to share with the people. Or just to say, I'm praying for you. Or how can I encourage them? Look at every daily thing is something that could become divine through the Holy Spirit. It's a fascinating thing and it creates a lot of fun. Number two, be honest with yourself. Which soil are you? Are you the hard soil by the wayside that, listen, I'm here. That's all you can hope for. I don't really care. I just want to go home. Okay? Are you the next one? You have this up and down relationship. Lord, I'm crazy for Jesus and then life happens and I get scorched out. But I'm back crazy for the Lord. Okay, do you have any root? Is there any depth to your walk? No, that's why we do discipleship classes to encourage you. That's why we do small groups to, to encourage you to go deeper with the Lord. We're not going to force you. We're not going to push you. You can't make a plant grow deeper. But we want to encourage you to do that and help. Or verse 22, does the cares of the world get to you? I mean, are you the type of person that says, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be, as soon as I get this done, I'm, I'm all there for you, Lord. I tell you, it never slows down to be all there for your Lord. It never does. You have to decide, I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. And whatever happens, happens. Because I can't let the cares of this world bring me down. I can't let the deceitfulness of riches choke me out. That's what happens. Satan has not changed his game plan in thousands of years. And the reason he doesn't change it is because it works. Get people busy. So that way they're too busy, too tired to focus on the things of the Lord. You know, I, I've always been the type of guy that I wanted to do devotions, the last thing we do at night before we go to bed. Just this beautiful family picture of all nine of us 
sitting in the living room, holding hands, singing praise songs, etc. Yeah, it's never worked out once. Never worked out once. So what we do now is we said, you know what, as soon as I can get as many people as I can in the morning, we're going to do devotions. Some people still maybe be sleeping. That's not that they're not important. But we're going to get as many as we can. And then what we do in the evening is now we go back and we ask the kids, what did you learn today? What did you read? And what would you like to share with us? Kind of put some responsibility on them. What do you learn? What are you growing in the Lord? Because life can get so busy. I mean, it really can. Same thing with dawn. I used to have this picture of that's the last thing we'll do before we go to bed tonight. We'll pray and we'll read together. Sometimes it's the first thing we do in the morning because I know what the day is going to be like. And I want to make sure, Lord, I seek you first in the morning. There's this great psalm, and I think it's Psalm 63. Don't quote me on that. Where David wrote, early in the morning I will seek you. You will hear my voice in the morning. It's like, wow, Lord, before the day gets out of hand, I just want to read with you. I just want to spend time with you. Because I know the cares of this world can choke. And it can happen so, so quickly. So, scattering seeds. Are we doing that? Do we want to do that? Which of the soil are we? You know, Psalm 1 tells us this, that we're supposed to be like a plant, a tree planted by the water, whose leaves do not wither, and that we bring forth its fruit in season. But that's the goal, guys, is to be planted with the Lord in the good soil of Him and just produce fruit for Him and to give God the glory in all that we do and all that we say. I hope this parable makes you rethink on how you look at life. Gives you a purpose. Turn your daily into the divine. Worship team, if you come forward here for the final song. Just some reminders.